Welcome to life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. Today, Dr. Lo Ku has returned for part two so that we can discuss the male factor of infertility. Welcome to life, love, insight, fertility experiences. Dr. Lo Ku is back today for part two. Dr. Ku, I am so thrilled that you are here today to talk about the male factor with infertility. So welcome back. And for those people who don't know you or only know you as Dr. Knocked Up, I love that story. You have to tell everybody <laughs> again. Um, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself and the work that you do in, in Dallas and all the research you've done? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'm uh, Dr. Lowell Koo, uh, aka Dr. Knocked Up. Uh, it's a great little story. Um, my patients one day started calling me Dr. Knocked Up because KNU was perfect for Knocked Up. So they called me Dr. Knocked Up and they gave me like a little little mug with Dr. Knocked Up on it. And it was, uh, it kind of just went from there. I was like, I'll take it. Great. So very, very honored to be in, uh, um, given that great name uh, by my patients. So, uh, so very, very honored about that. But yeah, so uh, I, I'm here in Dallas. And uh, I think that shows just how, you know, lovely and approachable you are. And, and you know, just your personality in general. So right. I so appreciate that story and that your patients felt so comfortable and excited to give that to you. Yeah, yeah, totally honored with that moniker. It's great, great, great. So yeah, so, so I, I'm so happy with that. And you can find me on Instagram and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You have fabulous information on Instagram, especially, you know, you've been doing so much research related to the male factor with infertility. And, you know, it, it's such, a, such an important topic and one that has been overlooked for so many years. So I know you've been doing a lot of research on it. Um, and so I'd love to talk about the research and the roundtables that you've been doing and the emotional impact and how we get them support. Absolutely. Um, uh, oftentimes, uh, when you think about infertility and the emotional impacts, a lot of times it's people think it's isolated to the female. And absolutely, uh, the female absolutely undergoes a tough journey, and it is definitely emotionally challenging and, and taxing. But it does take two to tango, and, and the other half is the male. And, um, and husbands, uh, you know, also suffer from uh, an emotional trauma from infertility. And, 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 and speaking personally, my wife and I, when we struggled with infertility, uh, as the husband, I really felt like I had to be the strong one, support the wife, even though on the inside, I was you know, crushed on the inside when uh, we had a negative pregnancy test after an IVF. So, so I think that it's important to kind of at least uh, talk about that. You know what, us guys, we're, 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 we hurt too. I, I think it's so important, and thank you for sharing that story. Um, I may have mentioned just yesterday I got a phone call from somebody whose husband is, um, unfortunately, it's male factor infertility that's stopping him from conceiving. And she's really pretty devastated about it, understandably. And she said her husband is really fine. And we have to know her husband is not fine with it. And she said he's a physician and he could put the science aside and understand it, but I think that that's impossible to do. I think that you feel a responsibility 
Absolutely, I agree. It, and, and men definitely shoulder a lot of the burden of the, the, the emotional side to try to uh, to support their wives. And absolutely, they should. They absolutely should be there for the wives, support them, um, but also not to forget and neglect themselves and to remember that it's okay to talk about their own feelings as well. Um, both the, the husband and the wife are hurting. And so, um, and it's okay to talk about it. And, and, and you'll find that when the male opens up to his partner that, um, you know, they'll, they'll realize that, yeah, they're both suffering together and that they're actually gonna get through this together and they'll be stronger on the other end for it. Right, if they can communicate about it. Why do you think it's so hard for the men to open up about this? That's a good question. I think that it has to do with men. <laughs> and that, you know, as guys, we, uh, we want to try to show that we're strong, strong and um, that we're, we're not weak. I, I think that is, is, is good and also not so good. Um, sure, we have to be able to support and be a support for our wives and our partners and our spouses, um, and, and that's great. But, but sometimes if the, the pillar is strong but the, 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 the foundation is weak, uh, it, it, you're not a great support sometimes. So I think that, uh, that men tend to think that, well, I have to protect my wife. I have to protect the family. And, and, and rightfully, they, so, they should and do so, but maybe not so much as in putting on this facade of being so strong because on the inside, they might be crumbling and that might not be healthy for them. Yeah. yeah. It's so important, I think, for us to talk about it, have people understand that when they're going through a fertility journey, it is a challenge and difficult and emotionally impactful to both. Absolutely. And it changes our roles in many, many ways. And we can have it allow us to come closer together if we can talk about it. Absolutely. I agree. And, and you know, I think on an emotional level, it absolutely is, is something that can bond uh, a couple together even stronger. Right. right. Or it could do the opposite depending on how we go about it. So right. I, I would encourage people that if they're really struggling and um, they're not, trying if they're not forcing themselves to be the pillar of strength but they find that it is bothering them it is affecting their sleep it is affecting their eating it is preoccupying it is making them sad maybe on the verge of tears reach out to your partner and let them know i totally agree um definitely reach out and communicate and, and let let your partner know and or if you wanted you can find counseling and 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 find someone who might be able to talk to you and you can talk to them about how you're feeling and, um, and I think that's a wonderful way to at least heal the, the pain that might be occurring on the inside. I always try and start a male for infertility support group. Always. I oh always have it. It's just getting the men together and enough men together at the same place at the same time. It's very, very challenging to start this group. It is. The last group that I tried to get together, I had one man and he was so wanting to talk to people. It was not the male factor in fertility, but he needed to talk about supporting his partner. He was having such a struggle. There was another man who called and he said he would like to join. So I said, you know, why don't I give you both each other's phone numbers and you can connect? And they said, well, we really don't want to do that without you. Each said that individually. I said, okay, we could do that. So I set up a time to introduce them both to each other. Well, it turned out that they were both sitting in the same clinic in the same waiting room at the same time with their partners going through the same procedure on the same day. Wow. And did wow. not talk to each other. I have the chills telling the story. So yeah, that's great. they both needed to connect with somebody. They were both right there, right in front of each other, yeah. but they weren't probably even looking up from their phones. 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's a uh, it's it's amazing what can what good can come from at least reaching out and and talking with your neighbor sometimes and your friends and making friends and you know recently Resolve had a, a round table that I was very honored to be part of and we talked about male infertility um, and its emotional impacts and it, what was really cool was that it was a group of guys uh, that came from all walks of life all different ethnicities and cultures and religions and uh we all kind of had our same sort of story and struggle with infertility and we totally bonded over over this sort of history of struggling with infertility and some of the guys still were struggling with infertility so um it's an amazing thing that happens when you can kind of open up and talk uh with someone who you might not know at first but then really realize that you are actually brothers uh in the infertility struggle the support systems are phenomenal the support groups that I run, many of the people stay in touch after for years. And these are people who want to come together. And it's because it's such an important piece of life that we need support on that we can't necessarily go to the people that we normally go to in our life. Right, right. And, you know, some people just want to remain private. I know my wife and I, for the for a very long time during our struggles with infertility, we didn't tell anybody. We didn't tell my parents. And so we felt really alone, really it was really lonely and, and we struggled. And even the, at that, I didn't even tell my wife how I was hurting on the inside. So I felt really especially isolated and alone on a little island and it doesn't have to be that way. And, um, you know, it, you can get help and, and it, it doesn't have to be that lonely. Yeah, so it sounds to me like the privacy that you're talking about has almost an element of protection in it. Yeah, absolutely. Just to kind of protect our own emotions um, because it would hurt even more, at least that we thought at the time, that if we were to sort of air our our weaknesses or our dirty laundry or anything like that, that it might be a little bit um, shameful and that might be even more emotionally damaging to us. But in the end, you, what you realize is that when you start opening up to even strangers or people who have struggled, you start realizing that they actually might have the same story and that they can relate to you and then you can bond and then talk about it openly and then start healing the, the sort of emotional hurt that you have inside. Right. Well, one of the numbers I saw is one in four or one in five couples struggles with fertility. You have to know people going through this. The element of the protection through the privacy from what you were saying also struck a chord in me thinking you're also trying to protect your partner from your emotions. Absolutely right. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, infertility is, is more frequent and, and, and more prevalent than what we'd like. And uh, uh, what we see are the stats are like one in eight couples do suffer from infertility. And of those one in eight, 40% uh, is female and isolated female infertility factor. 40% is an isolated male factor. And the remaining 20% is a combination of male and female. So it is very prevalent. And as you can see, 40% of the time, it's just isolated to the man. And so um, that's that's a tough blow sometimes to a guy and and um, who is maybe trying to remain strong and and that can be kind of tough. I remember a patient, um, a female, one of my patients, the, the wife had asked me, um, you know, is this how am I going to break the low semen analysis uh, sperm count to her husband? Uh, will that bother him? And, and, and she, you know, and, and she asked me that. And I said, you know, I, I think that I can understand that it might be disappointing, but it shouldn't be any sort of judgment on his character or, or who he is at all. And, and that's one of the most important things I want to sort of bring across to my patients is that this, 
infertility is not a judgment on on your 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 personality, who you are, or, or your character. Like I was saying, and, and it same goes with the, the husband. It, it doesn't. We, there's no judgment here. This is just uh, we talk about the facts, and we want to make a, a, a family for you. So so I I don't want patients to think that this is absolutely something that makes them feel bad because it means that oh there's there's something wrong with them. There's really nothing wrong with them. There, there's, this is just science. It's science. It's a medical condition. It's not that they did anything wrong. It's just, this is what happens a lot of times. So it's a lot of people and we're talking about really recognizing it. Is there anything new coming out in the research now related to male factor infertility? There's a, a lot of discussion now around male factor infertility and its role in recurrent pregnancy loss. And mm-hmm. um, um, more and more now we're realizing that uh, there is a bigger male component than we thought. And it, and it totally makes sense because the the embryo is, is one half mom and one half dad. And so um, half of that DNA is from the, the husband. So um, that DNA can absolutely determine whether the embryo can make it or not make it. So it makes total sense. For the longest time, we just didn't know how or, or why. Um, but it makes sense because if there is DNA abnormalities in the head of the sperm, so in the head of the sperm is a little DNA packet. If that DNA packet is abnormal, then it's delivering uh, abnormal DNA. And then the embryo starts off with uh, DNA that is uh, not being able to be read properly so that it can't create a, a healthy baby so it can lead to a miscarriage. So we're realizing that uh, men do contribute to some part in recurrent pregnancy loss. I'm glad that we're bringing this out in the open because I think it's a heavy thing to carry alone for most men. And so the more that we have it out there and the more that we allow people to recognize that this is part of life and this is that people go through, the easier it is to feel as if you are going through a normal journey, but with a hiccup to it or a different twist to it. Absolutely. I, I tell patients, this is no one's fault. You've done nothing wrong. You're doing everything right, including going to see the fertility specialist. And uh, and I tell them, we're here uh, to not figure out whose fault it is, but to figure out how we can get to the baby. Oh, and the treatment options today. Several years ago, there were no treatment options for that because we weren't even diagnosing it. So now there's treatment options. Yeah, absolutely. So there are plenty of wonderful treatments that are coming that are coming forward and have come forward. Um, uh, first and foremost, what has been around for a little while is called ICSI or sperm injections. So if you undergo IVF, you can get around low sperm count, um, abnormal shapes of the sperm, or even low motility by actually injecting the sperm in. Because if the sperm cannot actually dig itself into the the egg, well, we may have to push the sperm in for for the egg to, to, to lead to fertilization. So that's one of the main things that we utilize to try to get around male factor infertility. That's um, a goodness for those labs and the embryologists who can help with that. It is absolutely so cool. They use these really neat microscopes and, and uh, they are able to channel movements into little microscopic movements to help grab a sperm, inject it in without any sort of damage whatsoever. So it is really cool. And then there's other ways too, to test this and to find out about it. And so it doesn't mean that the man will not have a biological connection to the child. Absolutely. So, so for many years, we worried that like, well, the only option is donor sperm and the, the male may not be able to pass on his genetic legacy. So, so now we're able to have patients, our husbands pass on their, their genetic legacies through ICSI, uh, IVF, and then 
we can also check for genetic uh, diseases or genetic issues in the embryo. So once the sperm gets in uh, to the egg, fertilization occurs, the embryo starts to form, um, we can check the embryo for its DNA and its chromosomes just to see did the embryo build itself properly? Did it copy the DNA exactly correctly? Or did it make a mistake? Because if it made a mistake, it could lead to recurrent pregnancy loss. And so we'll identify which embryos have good normal DNA and abnormal DNA. And uh, we'll put in the normal DNA embryo. So it lowers the chance of miscarriage. It greatly increases the chance of pregnancy. So there are some great options out there for patients. I recently read a statistic, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I um, that anywhere between 30 and 60,000 sperm donations are made a year. When we look at heterosexual couples, we don't choose to think of that, but it's real with heterosexual couples. And it's something that many, many people go through and they do keep it private. Absolutely right. It is, it is a tough, tough, situation medically already and emotionally already. And so a lot of patients do, they don't want to share about it. And, and that's understandable. Um, my, my wife and I, we, we actually suffered two losses ourselves. And so um, it was very tough. And, uh, it, and, and, and we did keep everything private just because we were, we were worried that we, you know, we, if, do we tell people about our, 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 you know, medical, you know, ongoings, it was very hard to just you know, think about what to do. And at that time, we just, we just, sort of clamped down and closed up and just isolated ourselves. That's not unusual at all. People do that and it's not an unusual reaction. And sometimes what happens I find is in the beginning, people tell, you know, family and friends. And then as they go down this journey, they really don't want to hear what the family and friends have to say, you know, going through this roller coaster and sensitized to everything. And people will say things that don't necessarily make you feel good or supported. And so then the isolation starts. So there's different roads that people go through in order to be private about this situation. I'm working on this effort to normalize when we do need to work on using donors. It's part of many people's journey today. There's never anybody going into this thinking, I want to use a donor unless they are part of you know, a non-heterosexual couple. But when you do, we need to recognize that there's nature versus nurture. There's that time spent. We need to recognize that the intended parent is the parent. Absolutely. And there's no question about that. Right. The role of the donor is truly, and they're called a donor because that's what they are. They're donating. It's, right. it's you know, a wonderful thing that they're donating, but that's what they're doing. The parent is the one who is taking the responsibility on to nurture and raise this child and be the parent. Absolutely. Um, I've had so many couples um, bring that issue up, that very issue where we talk about donor eggs or donor sperm, and they say, well, it's not going to be my child. And I say, you know what? It will absolutely be your baby. You're going to deliver the baby. You're going to feel the baby wriggle inside of you. Um, it is your baby. Um, and then I say, well, it may not may not look like me. Well, no, actually, you know what is really interesting? When, when couples come back to see me for their second kiddo after using donor eggs or sperm for their first kiddo, they always tell me, you know what? No one knows. And that's great. You don't have to tell anybody, but they always tell me like, you know what? They always say that the child looks like me. I'm like, yeah, you know, right. because, because uh, there's that nurture part where that child is absolutely your baby. Right. And there is talk of epigenetics in terms of for the woman. Is talking about, and there are mannerisms. There's all different kinds of things, and then we have to decide if it's something we want to keep a secret. 
or we want to keep private, right? right, right. We don't want people to walk, I don't actually, what want people, I'm sure you don't either, to walk around feeling badly about yeah. themselves. And we don't want children to grow up feeling badly about how they were conceived because everything is normal. There's nothing not normal about being conceived into this world. Right. Yeah, but if we bring it back to the male factor, to me, I think what you're saying is there's so many options today for men that going down for down the road for a donor is not something that has to be done quickly or lightly. That's exactly right. There are plenty of options that are available prior to using a donor sperm um, option, and uh, and we're absolutely happy to help patients uh, explore those. Um, and I think that there are also more options available, uh, not only for medical issues for male infertility, but maybe even emotional. I mean, there's so many more support groups and, and there's such a good support system online um, or in the neighborhood. Um, and, and so I think that there's just a lot more support both medically and emotionally for men these days. And it's amazing because when I have couples in my, well, not in my office right now, but when I'm working with couples, <laughs> when I say to the man, well, how are you doing? This sigh of relief comes over him. It's like yeah. when nobody asks. And yeah. And, and, and sometimes guys will first, their first response will be like, yeah, I'm fine. But really they're not. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's important to ask. It's really important to ask. I, I suppose by the time people come to talk to me, they're not, and they know they're not. Yeah. Yeah. But it's such, it's, there's such a beauty in asking the question. Yeah. Because you're allowing people to reflect and mourn the loss and men don't focus on that. But every time there's a disappointment, every time there's a miscarriage or a loss, there's something to be mourned. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, and people, especially men, have to go through that grieving process as well. Um, because if you let it sort of fester inside, it's, it's probably not very good. No, no, not at all, not at all. It comes out in different ways and it can make you a little bit more irritable. It can stop you from sleeping. Change, that's what I was mentioning before, change your eating patterns. It could change a lot. And so there's, we, we don't need to go through that. The other thing is when we push things down and we don't talk about them, they're still there. Absolutely right. Yeah, my wife's always telling me, don't bottle it up because I'll explode one day. <laughs> and she's right. I have to definitely communicate and communicate more and better. Right. So I think there's a lot of strength in being able to express, and that's what I'm kind of hearing what you're saying, to being able to express what it is that you're really feeling yeah. along with this journey. Like, well, geez, I'm scared. I don't want this needle going into me. And where is it going? And how is it going? And oh, my goodness, I thought my sperm were just fine. I've had men say that to me, you know. Right. A lot of times I have some had some patients, husbands who were like, yeah, I'm fine. It's probably just you know the wife's fault. I'm like, no, man, we got to check just to make sure it does take two to tango. <laughs> Let's just not dismiss that part. Yeah. Yeah. And I see almost at times, and this may not sound too nice, a relief actually when there's a little bit of both involved in the fertility journey. Absolutely. Even though I tell patients like, you know, this is no one's fault. We're not pointing fingers at anybody, but you know, here's what we see from the data, from our tests. And just to kind of let them know, this is, this is no one's fault. We are here to just help you get a baby. Yeah. And it is never anybody's fault. It's a condition. It's a medical condition. Yeah. There's codes for it for billing. And <laughs> right. the code to bill. We know that it's real. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Thank you so much for coming back on and talking about this. I think it's so important for men to know that every emotion 
is normal. And the key here is understanding where you can be comfortable expressing it. So whether it's to your partner or to your, your doctor or in a support group or you know, to a therapist, it's very important because this is hard. It is, it's a tough journey for both the, the female and the male, spouse and husband and wife and, and partner, it's tough. And, uh, and the journey is bumpy. And, uh, but it's okay. It's okay to open up. It's okay to talk about it. And you might find that uh, by opening up, you'll, you'll feel a lot better. Yeah. And research is on your side right now. Research and science is on your side because it's never been, which is what you were saying. It's never been so available and targeted to men before. Right. And so there's a whole uh, host of opportunities and options for men nowadays. So I'm super excited that we have that available now. Yeah, well, I'm so excited you came back on. Thank you so much because it's such important information to get out there. It is absolutely. So I hope that people can uh, learn a lot from this video and, and we're here to help you. Yeah, could you just tell everybody how they can get a hold of you? And, and also um, you're the senior doctor at the, I don't want to say the wrong clinic, so please, I'm sorry. Sure, yeah, so, uh, so I am uh, the, one of the senior doctors at the Dallas IVF Fertility Clinic here in Dallas, and you can find us online at dallasivf.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Knocked Up, and uh, I'm here to help you, happy to help. Yeah, and please follow him on Dr. Knocked Up, because there is a wealth of information that is on his site, and I follow him, I, I love seeing posts, <laughs> I really do, I mean, some of them are fabulous and they make me laugh and some of them are so on top of the research they make me think and so I usually wind up smiling but I hope everybody follows you and then of course if anybody has any questions or comments please feel free to reach out to me at lauriemetz.net